I'm going to keep reading our gospel for today from Luke 19. As he was approaching the path down from the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of the disciples began to praise God joyfully with a loud voice for all the deeds of power that they had seen, saying, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest heaven. But some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to him, Teacher, order your disciples to stop. He answered, I tell you, if these were silent, even the stones would cry out for the glory of God. Friends, this is the word of God for you, the people of God. Thanks be to God. And so now, gracious God, in these moments, may the words of my mouth, may the meditations of all of our hearts together in this place and in all places be found pleasing to you, O Lord, you are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Well, a few years ago on my birthday, I was visiting my family here in Kentucky And they were planning to surprise me after dinner one night with a small party back home. My sister-in-law, Shira, picked up my nieces and nephew from school that day, and they stopped on the way home to get some cupcakes and balloons for the party that night. But Shira, their mom, gave the kids strict instructions not to tell me about what they were doing. And they all agreed that they were going to let this be a surprise until after dinner. But as soon as my niece Lily saw me, (laughs) she immediately jumped out of the car, ran up to me, and without even hesitating, she said, Guess what? We got your favorite chocolate cupcakes with purple icing and purple sprinkles, and we even got you purple balloons. (laughs) Now, Shira, her mom, was standing right behind her (laughs) and immediately burst into laughter because seconds before Lily had spilled the beans, they had all agreed to keep this a secret. But as soon as Lily saw me, she just couldn't help but to celebrate the big surprise and to tell me every single detail. Well, in today's scripture reading from Luke's gospel, it seems that the disciples just can't help but to celebrate Jesus as he enters into Jerusalem. Verse 37 says that as Jesus was coming down the road into Jerusalem, the whole multitude of disciples just burst into praise. And in the midst of their Palm Sunday parade, they immediately began to praise God and thank God for all that Jesus had done. But some of the Pharisees noticed what was going on. They saw the parade and the palms and all the shenanigans, and they asked Jesus to order the disciples to stop making such a ruckus. Now, biblical scholars give different reasons as to why the Pharisees would have wanted the disciples to quiet down. 
Pharisees are often known for rebuking or challenging Jesus throughout the Gospels. So it's no surprise that they are criticizing him and his followers here yet again. And then some of the Pharisees are probably jealous of Jesus. They don't want him getting all that attention. They don't want him getting the purple sprinkles and the purple icing and balloons. That could have been reason enough for not wanting people to be yelling loudly and waving palms in the middle of the streets. But that doesn't mean that the Pharisees all wanted Jesus to die. In fact, just a few chapters earlier in Luke 13, the Pharisees hear through the rumor mill that Herod wants to kill Jesus. And they are the ones who actually go to Jesus to warn him about what is going on so that he can be safe. And so it's very possible that when the Pharisees hear people calling Jesus king in the middle of the streets, something that would have been considered an act of rebellion against Pilate, they become afraid for Jesus. Because calling a scene like that and calling Jesus king, well, that would have gotten him killed. In fact, it would have been especially dangerous during Passover This time when the Jews remembered God's liberating their people from another evil king, Pharaoh. Which is why this king, Pilate, and his armies were especially on guard during Passover. To pick up on any sign of revolution or rebellion against the empire. And so the Pharisees know how risky it is for the disciples to be celebrating Jesus as king, making this big show during Passover right there in the middle of the streets for anyone and everyone to see and to hear what's going on. And so they ask Jesus to tell the disciples to shush. But perhaps they are simply wanting Jesus to stay off the radar, to lay low and to play it safe. Except playing it safe isn't an option for Jesus, is it? When the Pharisees tried to warn him about Herod in Luke 13, Jesus called Herod a fox. And it was abundantly clear that Jesus wasn't afraid of him. And he's not afraid of Pilate either. In fact, Jesus says the disciples' message is so significant that day that even if they were to quiet down, the rocks would cry out. (laughs) I mean, Jesus is so sure about this Palm Sunday party parade that he says if they were silent, even speechless stones would shout out about the glory of God. Pastor Chrissy Cataldo describes the Palm Sunday celebration in this way. She says, we can see that the peace that Jesus brought was and is worthy of celebration Even if the celebration is risky, even if the powers that be will be threatened. So Jesus says to us, shout out now, celebrate now, even if you know that death is lurking just around the bend. Many of you know now about my friend Brenda who passed away a couple years ago from pancreatic cancer. 
I've talked about Brenda often in worship here because she and her family were and are such a significant part of my life. But I don't think I've talked with you about the timing of Brenda's diagnosis. It was right before Holy Week in 2019. Within a matter of days that week, Brenda had discovered that she had a mass on her pancreas and was rushed to have emergency surgery in Dallas, only to discover that the cancer had already spread too far. Doctors said there was nothing they could do at this point, and she had months left to live. And I still remember driving back to Waco after her surgery that weekend, absolutely devastated. And I knew that I needed to somehow write a sermon for Palm Sunday, except nothing within me felt like celebrating and waving palm branches in the midst of this darkness of Good Friday that we were living. I didn't even want to get out of bed the next day, let alone go preach a sermon. And yet it was then that I began to hear the message that Jesus gives us on Palm Sunday in a way I'd never heard it before. Because Jesus knows all too well what is ahead of him on this day of celebration. Jesus knows that his death is imminent. In fact, he knows that some of the very people who are praising him and waving palms in this moment will turn their backs on him just days later. And so in the midst of this Palm Sunday parade, Jesus has every reason to tell the disciples, hey, y'all, don't make such a fuss. Quiet down. Things are about to get really bad for me, and we don't need to make matters worse. Let's just go quietly enter into Jerusalem. After all, this is really more of a funeral procession for me than it is a celebratory parade. The party's over. But he didn't do that, did he? Because even in the face of death and despair, Jesus knows that he cannot play it safe. He knows that he cannot live small And so the message Jesus gives us on Palm Sunday is to celebrate now. To be brave enough, bold enough, foolish enough, risky enough to shout for joy now. To clap your hands, to raise your voices now, even when you know that death is lurking just around the corner. After all, as Willie Jennings reminds us, Joy is an act of resistance against the forces of death and despair. And I believe Jesus knows this all too well. So he soaks up every last bit of this Palm Sunday parade, perhaps as his own way of telling the Roman Empire who's boss. And I think he invites us to do the same, to celebrate even knowing all that this week holds as a joyful act of resistance, of protest, 
as a way of pushing back on the powers that be. Because while death and despair may be around the corner, joy is something that they can never take away from us. You know, in a way, Jesus' entry into Jerusalem reminds me of a modern-day pride parade. Like one that we will march in together as a church this summer on June 18th. Mark your calendars. Because pride is an act of celebratory protest. It's a joyful resistance against the powers and structures and systems built against the LGBTQ community. And it's a bold and beautiful celebration with color and glitter and makeup and rainbows and music and dancing. All signs of the belovedness of our LGBTQ plus siblings as children of God. But there's another story about celebration as resistance that I want to share with you today. And this one isn't as bright and colorful because this celebration happened in the dark. Holocaust survivor and author Ellie Wiesel writes about this memory from his time in Auschwitz that I think beautifully captures this idea of bold and risky celebration in the face of darkness and despair. He writes that it was one of the coldest winters he could remember. People fell like flies during the first piercing phases. The wind froze the blood in their veins. It was becoming clear that only a select few of us would actually live to see the spring. The majority would give in because it was simply unbearable. Everything has a limit, including a person's ability to resist. And so everyone was trying to exhaust every possibility to find ways to keep themselves warm. People even sold crumbs of bread in order to find extra layers of clothing. But Wiesel says, my bunkmate, I noticed that he had something different in mind. Now, when at first I saw his troubled look and his anxiety... I thought that just like everyone else, he was trying to find an article of clothing, maybe a warmer coat or a scarf even. That's why I didn't ask him about it. I had no strength at the time. Until finally he confided his despair to me. He said, no, I'm not looking for clothing. I'm looking for eight potatoes and oil to make Hanukkah lights. If I can't get eight, he said, four will do. We could cut them up to make kindling for eight lights. Well, Wiesel writes, I thought he had completely lost his mind. He had to be crazy to attempt such a thing in this harrowing hell. Hanukkah in Auschwitz, I cried out to him. But he insisted, especially in Auschwitz, he replied. Others, too, tried to talk him out of it until finally someone talked to somebody who knew someone who worked in the kitchen who was able to bring my bunkmate two raw potatoes with a little bit of oil. The potatoes were given to a specialist who divided them into the correct portion, and by the next morning, our block was able to light the first Hanukkah candle. (laughs) 
Now the news quickly spread to all the other blocks, so naturally people started coming by to marvel at this miracle. Our block leader stayed out of it, pretending he knew nothing about what was going on. Only once did he come to witness my bunkmate singing of these Hanukkah lights we light. But not that many people participated in the singing. We just didn't have the vigor. Until the lighting of the eighth candle, when the entire block came and took an active part in the ceremony. We prayed We chanted popular messages and sang familiar melodies. That Hanukkah was not forgotten for a long time. And the warmth of those long extinguished lights remained with us. Whether my bunkmate lasted until the end, until liberation, I still don't know, writes Wiesel. I lost sight of him during the January evacuation. But I will never forget his act of courage. Year in and year out, when the world is celebrating Hanukkah, I will always remember him. And in the same way, I will remember my friend Brenda every Holy Week. Because although she had very little energy that week, and she had just received the most devastating news of her life. She mustered up the energy to come to church on Easter Sunday, and I still remember that she was absolutely beaming that day. She was radiant. And then she went home to help host about 20 of us for Easter lunch, which was our tradition. She even made her famous Easter rolls. So we gathered around the table that day, we shared stories, we laughed, we cried, and we laughed some more. We savored every single bite. It was the Easter meal I never wanted to end. Because I believe Brenda, too, knew that joy is an act of resistance against the powers of death and despair. And she had the beautiful courage to live that out every day, even until her last. Friends, like Brenda and like the disciples, I believe that Jesus invites us. It invites all of us into a space of joyful resistance today on Palm Sunday. Even when it feels like the world might be falling apart around us. We are invited to be brave enough to trust in God anyway, even when that feels risky or foolish or when the world tells us to stay inside, to quiet down, and to just play it safe. And so may we be bold enough to cry out today for the peace that only God can bring, the peace that the disciples cried out for on that very first Palm Sunday the peace that passes understanding, the peace that our world so desperately needs right now. And as we begin this Holy Week journey together, may we remember that even in the face of death, death will never get the final word. 
Thanks be to God. Amen.